Hey, welcome back to the Greg McAfee Show. In this episode, we are joined by a dynamic speaker and industry expert, Todd Lyles. Tune in as Todd and I explore key strategies that will help you elevate your business to new heights and explore the service excellence way. Now let's go. Hey, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to The Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. Okay, well, welcome back to The Greg McAfee Show, where today we have Todd Lyles with us. Uh, I gave you the intro on Todd. You know a little bit about him. We're going to start today um, with uh, why, where, and how. Todd, can you uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started in uh, with Service Excellence and um, all the, the few other companies you work with and are, are work have started, rather? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and just why, where, and how. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you asking me on today, uh, Greg. It means a lot to me. So Service Excellence is really simple. We have a mission, which is to bring power and hope to the contracting and trades, to the trades, not just to the contractor and the business owner, but but everyone, the uh, the technicians, the CSRs, and even the clients that they serve. And I, I believe this real deeply, that power is the ability to make change, which means we're going to give people tools. And hope is the belief that we can, which means we've got to give people motivation and encouragement and show them that there is a great future out there. So this has sort of been my passion for a very long time. I grew up in Southern Mississippi and I grew up around the trades and in the trades uh, my whole life. You know, my, my dad was a welder. My stepdad was a logger. I worked on a farm, I worked in the fields, and I started doing construction work when I was 14 because I felt like that was a whole lot easier than cutting, you know, woods in the in the our trees in the woods of Mississippi, I should say. So, my whole life I have been surrounded by tradesmen, and I've also been blessed to to have above average intelligence and an extremely, you know, uh, disciplined work ethic. So from an early age, I started thinking to myself, how can I help these people that I care about and that I love, you know, be more successful? So the reason why service excellence exists is because I really feel like this is a, is like a calling for me. Um, you know, I've never told this story on a podcast before, so I'll give you this brief story, Greg. Uh, a couple years back, I think it was like in year four, and when I was still training solo, maybe it was year three, I got this tumor uh, in my sinuses. Actually, it was right here in the sinuses. And uh, doctors had known about it for a while. They kept ignoring it. And then and then my dentist, like, they weren't ignoring it. They were saying they didn't think it was a big issue. And then it started growing rapidly. And my dentist was like, you got to go get that taken care of. Uh, so going into surgery, my craniofacial doctor said, uh, hey, if this is cancer when we get in there, then we're going to have to go ahead and, and do some aggressive surgery and, 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 you know, get rid of it. And that, that might mean going into bone. And he said, you could come out of this uh, a different person. Now, when I was talking to the technicians and the, and the business owners prior to going to the surgery, uh, I said, I said, guys, Lord willing, I'm going to see y'all next week. I, I said, but if, uh, if, if, if something goes where I can't be here next week, I'll let you know. 
anyway, next week I had a little pain. I was fine. It wasn't cancerous. But I never thought to myself, I'm not going to train anymore. What I thought to myself is, how am I going to get my mission work done if I'm missing half my face? I guess I'll have to figure that out. But I wasn't going to quit. So, so, so that's why. And it, it's, a, it's a real sincere why, and I really mean it. And I just really love the trades, and I love the people that are in it. So if you want to know why, that's why. And um, we just happened to be a customer of yours. Oh, thank you. Recently signed on, and uh, we feel that. And we also know that you have really invested in a, in a strong team. Yes, sir. Uh, how does that, how does that um, help you with your success at, at service excellence? Well, it, it, it's, it's massive. Uh, no one is, is ever, you know, self-made. They, they always have the influence of someone for, for me, before I had team members, it was influences of mentors and teachers. And today, what it's allowed me to do is it has allowed me to stop directly working one-on-one with just a few contractors. I only work one-on-one with three contractors, uh, right now in a month. And, and it's very limited engagement with them, extraordinarily limited. But I didn't want to work with less contractors as I begin to focus on being more of a business owner. And instead, I wanted to work with more. And the only way that I could do that was I had to leverage the power of a team. So it starts uh, first and foremost with my wife. She's been here since day one and has, and has believed in the mission work that we're doing. And then it moves to Chris Elmore. And hiring Chris Elmore was one of the most beneficial things that, that we could do because he really excels as a coach of coaches. You know, Chris's job today is our operations officer and a massive part of our operations is to make sure that our training lessons are being done, our quarterly plans are being done, our coaches are putting together the success plan, they're, they're implementing that with their clients. And, and, and without Chris, there's no way that our team of 13 right now and of the 13, you know, my direct impact people are Chris Elmore, Shannon, and my executive assistant, Letty. I only have three. He has those other, you know, folks that he is directly leading. Actually, I should say a team of 14. He is leading. And as I say that now, I realize it's a team of 16. <laughs> it keeps growing in my head. Sorry. He, he is leading all of those other people. And what that does is that actually frees me up to do what we always hear people talk about in business, which is to actually, you know, work on the business and not in it. Because for the first several years, I was 100% in it. I was, I was no different than a, a one truck operator. I was super excited to be a one truck operator. I felt very blessed that, you know, the day that I hit enough revenue that I could cover my expenses, I'm like, going, woo. Uh, but I knew that it wasn't where I wanted to be forever. I had to be there for a period of time as I raised money. But today what a team allows me to do is it allows me to reach the next level of our work. And it allows me to do things that I could never do on my own, which is rich is really scale. And, and where we are right now in terms of a business is we work with about 174 companies. Um, and I want to big, big vision wise, you know, really, really, really big vision wise, BHAG. I have a, a mission of wanting to work with 5,000 contractors in a year, like, like actively con- uh, working with them. And, and I have a, a big vision mission of a hundred coaches and, and a support staff to take care of them. And there's no way that big BHAG vision will ever happen if I'm flying solo. So, you know, and, and if I'm working with, with 5,000 companies in a year, 
and we are influencing their market and helping them achieve a 20 to 30% year over year growth, which is what we've been pretty good at doing for the last several years now. Well, 5,000 times what? Some of these companies are going to have 100 employees. Some are going to have five. Some are going to have 10. Some are going to have 50. We're impacting just way more lives when, when we get to that size. And, you know, I want to say um, for the people watching us today, there's a lot of um, heating, air conditioning, plumbing, home improvement, um, home repair companies watching us. You don't have to be broke, mm -mm. Uh, meaning um, not just financially. You don't your business doesn't have to be broke to use someone like Todd and his company. Um, for us, we were weak in a certain area. And and I called you. We talked a few times. Um, we're friends on Facebook, but I called you. We talked a few times and I said, this is, we need this tweet because I have mm -hmm. done everything I know how to do and I'm not getting through. And you said, this is what we do every day. You know, let us give it a shot. We've got a team that works with your customer service team, your service team and sales if needed um, and so on. And, and I have, and so far we're seeing some good uh, progress. Like I said, we've been working together for a little bit over a month now, I believe. Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking at companies out there, owners of companies saying you don't have to be broke to use service excellence because they're going to help you get to that next level because they're going to help you with what needs tweaked. Now, there might be some things in your company that is broke and you need to call them for that, but you don't have to be. A lot of companies are um, they're confused on using companies like yours because right. they were not broke. Um, but it's amazing when you get a team like yours involved, just where you'll go, um, or how, and much faster at a much faster pace than you can do on your own. I agree with you. you know, one of the things that's, I think is, is a real, what you said is, is brilliant. It, it's a great observation and you've made it from experience. Um, and a lot of people think that when they are selecting a coach, it, it is only because, they are trying to, you know, get to a higher average ticket or they're trying to increase their close ratio. And, and granted, those are all fantastically wonderful things to do. Uh, and they're good. Those are good things to do. Those are sort of the soft skills, which is what, what we focus on. But there's always a second part of this that, that doesn't get spoken about often enough, which is a great coach is going to help you in whatever your technical skill set is. But they're also going to help you in your mind, in your mindset. And if we look at champions, we're talking champions like LeBron James, you know, Tiger Woods, any of these greats, once they've gotten to a certain point and they've achieved sort of this echelon of skill, they still are spending, in the example of LeBron James, he spends millions of dollars in outside coaching and physical therapy. Because what he knows is that what he has to do is to maintain that level. And the maintenance of that level is going to be more about what he is conditioning his body, how he is recovering, and what he's putting into his mind. So, and to me, that's probably one of the areas where there's actually a lot of poison in in the market that, 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 that we are in. Yeah, it's, um, and I think uh, what you brought up there, we, I teach often, um, be careful who you follow, be careful mm -hmm. who you to, there's a lot of hype out there. I mean, somebody, somebody in a very hot climate can go from zero to 10 million, 10 times faster than I ever have, or anyone in, in uh, my climate. 
Um, and everybody kind of flocks to that and and follows them. And be careful who you follow. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot behind that. But let me ask you a question. Um, mm-hmm. You've got you've worked with hundreds, um, soon to be thousands of contractors. Why do you think some accelerate and some don't? I think that uh, there's there's several different reasons. I'm I'm going to give you what I think one of the the biggest ones is, in my opinion. It's something that I see a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of people that want instant gratification, and they're not long suffering because they're not they're not dreaming of a vision that's down the road. They try something and they go, "Wow, that didn't work after three or four months," and then and then I'm going to quit now. You know, the a, a business is not going to be like a rocket ship and it's not going to be like a race car where you get in it and it just goes really fast. Business success is more like fitness and health. You start doing the things in the beginning that are good for you and they're painful and they're not fun and they look like discipline. They look like eating the right foods. It looks like sweating. It's just not fun. And in the first three or four months, you may not even feel good about it. It may actually feel worse because you're, you're, you know, you'd rather be sitting on the couch. And then all of a sudden, somewhere around the, you know, the fifth or sixth month, you, you start being able to tolerate it, but you may not see the changes that you want. And, and sometimes it takes years to develop the health and the fitness that you want. It depends on what your baseline is. So one, I think there's a lot of people that just want instant gratification. They want it right now. They've watched the internet. The internet says, all I need is an easy button. This shouldn't be difficult. I want it now. So instant gratification is a big one. Number two, um, because they want this instant gratification, they also get a really heavy case of the shiny object syndrome. Uh, They see something new. They want to try it. Oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. I want to try that. And, and number three, and there's probably a lot more reasons than this, but, but one of the things that we have seen in this, this, I, I it, it boggles me sometimes, but I've seen it so many times where we can have a client that can actually be successful, Greg, they can be putting in a year worth of work, two years worth of work, their average tickets double, they grow, and then they will leave. And when we begin to ask the questions like, why are you leaving? The reasons that they give us are in essence, uh, the technicians are tired of going to training. They let team members make business critical decisions, which ties into they still haven't adopted the mindset of a leader. And it it is amazing to me how if your business can double in two or three years, and it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's like going back to being an athlete. You know, if if a professional baseball player, soccer player, football player was following a coaching regiment and it was working and they were winning championships, they probably wouldn't look up one day and go, you know what, I'm bored with this professional regiment of training that works. I want to stop it and stop winning championships. So there are more reasons than that. But if, if you get right down to it, I think what it mostly boils down to is that a business owner that that doesn't ultimately win in the long run, uh, maybe getting bad training that can happen. Um, hopefully it's not happening from us. We, we, we are very diligent about inspecting what we expect. 
But I do think that some people are getting bad advice. So, so that's not on them. But the most important part of, of this is really what level of ownership and, and responsibility will they take? And will they get a long-term outlook? Because if you hook up with the right company, you know why you're doing it, which means you've got a very long-term perspective and you're going to be willing to suffer. Because let's, let's face it, most, most business owners that have been successful are going to suffer through something. You, you're going to burn someone's house down or you're going to flood someone's home or your, your technician one night that you thought was great is going to get drunk and they're going to wreck their van and hit a pedestrian. Every successful business owner in their early years is going to go through headaches that would shut down most sane people. And if they have a long-term perspective on what they want to do and they're getting the right advice and they've got that mindset of discipline, I think most of them are going to be successful. Now, I'm talking for a long time, but I think that that, that's a pretty good encapsulation of what I've seen. I agree. That instant gratification kills a lot of people. A lot of people who are extremely talented, too, much more talented than me. I just had the tenacity to stay in. Stay disciplined. Um, you know, uh, with that, how do you maintain a balance? Uh, you talked earlier about um, you don't have to put in a hundred hours a week, but you, you do don't have to put in some time. How how do you maintain a balance between your professional life and your personal faith and family life? It's easier now. It was much difficult earlier. When I worked at Clockwork Home Services, which is where I learned to train, I didn't know it, but I was I was close to a divorce with my wife. She told me later. She's like, I was so close to divorcing you. And it's because of the amount of hours that I was putting in. And and I can remember us laying in bed one night watching Allie McBill, and it was like eleven o'clock at night. And there was a lawyer that was on there that was getting passed over for a partnership because she had a baby. And she was getting passed up for this partnership because she couldn't put in the hours that she used to work. And I look at Shannon and I go, I don't see what her problem is. She can't put in the hours. She doesn't deserve the partnership. She had, she had a baby. She made her choice and she just sort of looked at me. And then this is, this almost sounds like parody. I said, you know, baby, I've been thinking about like how much more productive could we be if, if like at clockwork, they, you know, maybe got like a big hotel or something and everybody could just, you know, leave work and go straight and check into their room. Could you imagine how productive that business would be? That's how bought in I was. It was all work. And years later, she's like, you were, you know, we were, we were so close to getting a divorce and, and you never knew it because all you did was think about was work. And so for us, what happened was um, she got pregnant and we, we lost our first baby, thankfully not too far into the marriage. But, but, but there should be three of my children here. There's only two. And then my grandfather, who I love dearly, um, died not long after that. So I had these two moments of death back to back, boom, boom. And, and like, you know, a lot of psychologists understand is that sometimes when we have one of these shocking moments in our life, it's what we needed to kind of wake us up. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and one of the other things about the same time was I got a case of appendicitis, really bad appendicitis. I got it that morning by about lunch. I couldn't stand up. I was sitting in a chair, but I was teaching a class and I finished that class cause there's no way I'm leaving work. 
you know, they, they pretty much had to load me in the car, take me straight to the hospital for an emergency abdendectomy. So this was my mindset, right? And I'm like, this is tough. I'm grinding it out. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, all three of these things happened real close to each other. And I'm talking to the doctor. This is Friday at the end of class. And I'm like, you know, can I fly out on Sunday? He's like, no. No, you can't fly out on Sunday. You need to take two weeks of bed rest. I'm like, I can't take two big weeks of bed rest. There's no way. He's like, well, you, you have to. You don't have a choice. So this, this, is, this is major surgery, kid. You need to take it easy. So it was during that downtime um, while everybody was off at an expo and, and they were doing their things that I started, you know, really thinking about life and it, and it sort of just washed over me. So, so what I do to get more time, I moved to Austin, became a 15% partner in the air conditioning business, <laughs> but I did have more time. And, uh, and I'll, I've talked to Ken about this. Ken Goodrich is, is one of my mentors. And, and I've told him, I said, uh, I've talked to Landon Brewer about this too. I, I said, you know, guys, one of my biggest internal struggles is that I know how much further this business would be down the road if I poured into this business like I poured into other organizations when I was young and before I had a family. I have no doubt of that. We'd probably be two or three times down the road where we are right now. But what I also know is that my daughter, who is about to turn 13, and my boy, who is 10, I've only got probably another six more years with Willa, you know, maybe another eight years with Everett to where they're in the house. And so I, I made a decision that I was going to grow my business at a sustainable pace and be dead at home. So how I maintain that balance now, and I'm telling you this because because people are going to struggle with this, is that I made a very intentional decision to choose being present with them while I have them in their young years and and putting the ultimate growth of this business a second to time with my family. And 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 I still admit that I struggle with that from a guilt standpoint, which moms understand mom's guilt. Every mom has mom guilt. I've got entrepreneur guilt where it's like my business is also a baby and it doesn't get all the time that baby needs because my real babies get the time. And my real babies don't get all the time they need either. Don't don't get me wrong. So I do pretty good there though. So so first of all, it was a, it was a matter of making a decision. And now for the last uh, three years, I've also been very deliberate about taking seven weeks a year off, and I put those weeks of time off when my kids are off. So. Christmas, uh, two weeks with them. I take that, that time off when they're out of school. Thanksgiving, I take that week off when they're out of school. July 4th, I take that week off when they're out of school. Uh, periodically, they'll get like three or four day weeks. I take those weeks off. And so anytime my kids have a, a school event off, I'm there. And, and that's, that's been very intentional. And, uh, and, and I'm even taking more time this year, even more time, even when my kids aren't off. So th that's a huge part how I, I balance that professional and that personal and family life. Um, that's good. A lot of people need to hear that. Um, I teach there's a fine balance between um, work and family and family and work, uh, because I think you can go you can go too far both directions mm -hmm. um, to where some people, um, especially young businesses, I I teach that a business uh, is a baby per age. 
So you're not going to leave a two-year-old baby at home by itself. Mm -mm. You're not going to leave a two-year-old business and go hunting for a month. I mean, it doesn't work. You're going to be out of business. Um, I agree. Once that business is older and, and you have people in place to take care of it, then you can leave as much as you want, like seven weeks or whatever your goal is. But you can't do that. Uh, you got There's a fine balance. There's a fine balance both ways. You can spend too much time at the office and some guys spend too much time at home. When I coach businesses and I ask how many hours you put in a week, I mean, I get any, I get answers between 30 and 100. There's a fine balance between where's that number? I don't know. I'm not going to say. However, mm -hmm. you got to figure it out. Um, okay, so with that, how do you handle success and achievements in your business while remaining humble yet confident? That's that's a great question. So uh, let's go. Let, let's let's dial it in like this. Um, humble's not too hard, but I don't want it to be false humility. And uh, and and some people can dip into false humility, right? Where they're they're secretly not being humble, but they're they're doing the all shucks on the surface. So for for me, a big part of humility is also part of what I'm trying to overcome. It, it, and it's it's that there are moments because of the way I grew up that I can have a scarcity mindset. So what I am constantly working on is not having a scarcity mindset. In case you guys are curious, a scarcity mindset is going to be a great limiter for everyone. But you cannot have a scarcity mindset and then choose gratitude. Because my scarcity mindset used to go, uh, okay, I got to make sure I grab on everything that I've got because I've had nothing before and I could go back to having nothing again. Uh, an abundance ma a mindset with gratitude goes, wow, look at how far we've come and look at how much we've got. And I'm very thankful. I, I, I didn't do this all by myself. I've definitely been lucky. I've definitely been blessed. I'm very thankful. And, uh, and I'm going to let some of that go. I'm going to, I'm going to give some of that back, whether you're a human that ties or gives to charity. I, I, I totally believe that when you let go of the resources that you've been given, it's one of the best things on the planet that can help you with a scarcity mindset. It's like, oh, I'm going to let some of this go and, and give it back to the world and not expect anything in return. It's a, it, it'll bless you. So for me, that's how I do the humility. And I also only tell certain people about certain levels of success that that I'm really proud about, like, you know, my personal financial success, that's that's limited for a small group of people because you get to a certain level. It's hard for it's hard for team members sometimes. And it's hard for just your average friends in your neighborhood that you live in. If you start talking about, you know, potentially your financial success, they go, what? And they, they can't really understand that. So I've learned just to actually not talk about it with them. And 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 I hope everybody here that's listening gets to have that experience one day. When you make so much money, you you don't even want to tell someone how much it is because they just they don't think you're being humble. So so and and then and then how do you do confidence? So I have this philosophy on confidence, and I want everyone to hopefully uh, adopt this philosophy. And and this has been influenced. But anytime that we start something really big, really big. And, and, and I tend to start something really big every three years. I sit down and I write these massive goals. And by the time I'm done with the goals, Greg, I know that they're good if I go, this sort of scares me. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So, so this is my philosophy to this. I believe, A, that when we start something really big, something really crazy, we probably don't have the actual capabilities to do it on day one. And we probably don't have the confidence to do it. And I'm okay with that. 
Because if we have the courage and if we have the commitment to the goal, we're going to end up with the capabilities as well as the confidence as we start having success. And I know this is true across every level of our business. The operator that's doing $400,000 today imagines $2 million and they go to themselves, I'm not confident that I can do it. I don't think I have the capability today. And I would say to you, if you have the commitment and you have the courage, you will develop the confidence and the capability. The $2 million operator is saying that about the $10 million. The $10 million is saying that about the thirty. And somewhere along the point, what happens is we start realizing that we go into these new adventures. And that's why we got to... That's why we got to really push ourselves periodically because you, you don't realize what you're capable of and how much real stress you can handle until you sort of hit the red line. And, and I even tell this to salespeople and I'm like, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, salespeople, but you got to hear what I am saying. And I'm saying that until you ask the right way a couple times with clients and, and find where the real no is, you're never really going to understand where the red line is. And I'm not talking about getting kicked out of a house. I'm not talking about offending someone. I'm not talking about violating your ethics. We'd never do that. But what I'm saying is that most people give up on their goal, just like that sale, way too early because they don't have the confidence or the capability and they don't have the courage and the commitment to go forward. When you get some courage and some commitment that you're doing something worthwhile, I sort of think that confidence and capability are going to follow along with that with some reps. Agreed. Um, what what advice do you give the business owner out there that is just frustrated with their results? They're, they might even be great business people per se, but they're mm -hmm. just not able to make things happen. What do you tell that person? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give credit to my business coach, Michael Hyatt was my business coach for five years before he closed that side of his program down. And, 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 and I want to talk to us about the beliefs that we have in our mindset. We, we've got two types of things when we're getting discouraged, especially when it gets around results, because, because it tends to be that we just don't get discouraged results and then we move on. We tend to have thoughts that come up with it. And our thoughts are either about three categories. They're either about the world at large man, this economy right now, there's no way we're going to be able to overcome this economy. They start thinking things about their team. I just don't think I have a team that can do this. I don't think I got the right people around me. Or they start having thoughts about themselves. Oh, geez, I just, you know, my dad and mom were never great business people. I never was good in school. I don't know that I have what it takes. I might just need to sell this thing or partner with someone, right? So we start saying these things to ourselves. And, and these things are called limiting beliefs. We, we actually are limiting our potential. So the very first thing, and if, and, if, and if a contractor was talking to me, I'd say, tell me what's going on in your thought process. I'd listen to it. I'd say, hey, look, first of all, feelings are just feelings. They're valid. It's okay to feel how you feel. But what we're going to do now is we're actually going to, we're going to test your feelings here. We're going to take that thought that you have, and I'm going to ask you some questions to see if it's objectively true. And so we're going to start interrogating that thought. And, and, and I'm going to say, well, why do you think this way? Has, has there ever been a moment where you've had an obstacle that you've been up against that you were able to overcome it? Oh, there was. Tell me about it. Well, how did you overcome that obstacle? Well, in the moment when you had that obstacle, did you feel the way you feel right now? Oftentimes we'll find that everyone actually is more than capable. They're just in the moment they're frustrated and, you know, the hormones have washed away all reasonable thinking. 
So I'm going to walk them through evaluating and interrogating their thoughts. And I am going to ask them another question, which is, is it objectively true? Because if what they're concerned about is objectively true, it's not just a thought. No about a motivational speaking is going to take them out of it. They're dealing with an objectable fact. Then we're going to have to make an alternative plan so that we can still get what we want. So after we do that, then after we've done all the interrogating, what we're going to do is we're going to start reframing it and we're going to start rethinking about this. And I'll give you a way of thinking about it right now. My dad's in the hospital uh, and he's 71 years of age. No, no, he's not quite 71 yet. He just turned 70. And he uh, is, is suffering from a heart condition, and it, it's very bad. He's been in and out of the hospital the last three or four years. And I was talking to him um, earlier in this year, no, or late last year, sorry. I think it was like in November before he had this, this next spell. And we were just sort of visiting. He was talking about how he wished he hadn't had this heart disease and all these things. And I said, you know, Dad, you just got to reframe this a little bit. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, 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 this is what I mean. If you take a look at uh, your life and the path that you were on, I said, you were a really, really heavy smoker for a long time. He goes, yeah, I was. And I remember I stepped on that nail. He stepped on a nail right after Katrina, and he got a, a bad bacterial infection in his foot, right? And he ended up having to be hospitalized. And the first time he was there, uh, he was only there for two weeks, so he didn't smoke for two weeks. So when he came off, he started smoking again. The second time he went back in, the bacteria infection came back big time, and it was very painful. He, he just talk, told many stories about how painful it was. But he was there for six weeks, and he couldn't smoke, and he's never went back on them. I said, Dad, if you just reframe this, that nail that you stepped on almost 20 years ago, it saved your life. He goes, you know what? Now that you say it, you're right. It did save my life. Because if I would have kept on smoking, I probably would have died 10 years ago. And I'm like, I know. He goes, oh, that's a good way to think about it. I've actually gotten 10 more years than I should have. I said, yeah, exactly. Right. So when we start reframing the way we see things, and then we start saying, hey, what does this make possible? Yeah, Dad, I know, I know you're in the hospital right now, but... You know, and, and they're getting you fixed. You've got COVID, and you're, you're going to be better when this is all said and done. But, you know, what, what does this make possible? What can you do next time around? So when we start looking at our thoughts, and, uh, you know, I challenged one of my team members today. They, they, they said to me, it's only going to get worse. And I, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do the, you know, uh, let me break this down and let me interrogate that. I just simply said, I can't, I can't buy into that philosophy. I'm sorry. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm just telling you, there's no part of me that can buy into that philosophy. It's only going to get worse. Are you kidding? No way. I don't buy into that because you know what? If you, if you really want to buy into the philosophy, it's only going to get worse. Your brain's going to help you figure out how to make it worse. So my advice to those who are frustrated with business is, A, it's okay to be frustrated. And in fact, I sometimes think that taking an hour or two and, and to deal with your emotions and to acknowledge that maybe a day is, is actually sort of healthy. I'm not one of these individuals. It's like, just shake it off and tough it up. I'm very much one of these individuals that believes that, hey, a little bit of re a reflection, a little bit of mourning in your emotions is okay. But after an appropriate mourning period, and I ain't talking weeks, right? I'm talking hours or days, mm -hmm. then you let that emotion go and you come back and go, okay, now, now let's get a new mindset. 
let's get a new mindset. Let, let's let's reframe this. Let's ask what does this make possible. And then when you just sit down and just write down, like, what do I need to do? There are plenty of folks that are a phone call away. They could call you. You're gonna you're gonna coach them up. Right. And call me. They can probably find Ken Goodrich. He's always offered his assistance. There is someone that wants to help you. Yeah. Most so in this do. in this world to say, you know, you can't get help is to say you don't want help. Right. There's help. Very true. Uh Todd, thanks for coming on today. Let's uh, let's end with this question here. Um, are there any specific pitfalls or challenges that you would caution um, other small business owners about? Yeah, yeah here, here's the biggest pitfall and caution I would share with anybody that is willing to hear. The most expensive money you will ever give up is equity in your business when you're doing that simply for uh, like a, a loan or a partner. Like when you take on a partner and all they're doing is giving you money and you're exchanging equity for it, that is the most expensive decision you will ever make. Uh, it is so unwise. Uh, it is far better to get a loan from a bank and get that interest rate, get an SBA loan, get a traditional loan. It's still cheaper to borrow money on your credit cards at 20% than it is to give up your equity that's going to grow in time. So number one, when you bring on a partner, partners are not a bad thing. I'm, I'm a partner in two other businesses. I own this one 100%. Uh, two other businesses, I'm partner. One, I'm a majority owner. The other, I'm a minority owner. I have great partners, but we did not partner for money. We partnered for what we could bring to each other in that relationship. So don't give up equity for money. Give up equity for something that you don't have that you believe this other person is going to bring to the table and is actually going to enhance your business. That would be my biggest pitfall. Get a loan, do something different. And here's the other thing, invest in your education and in the education of your people. If you have a company, you need to train them. You need to be developing yourself as a leader. The most important thing a business owner can do is to stay in constant leadership development. And the bigger my team gets, the more I understand that I just have to constantly work on being a better leader. And, and a good leader looks like someone who is calm in the face of adversity, supportive in the face of adversity, and decisive. They make good decisions when they're calm and they're supportive. I agree. I just had a young man in my office today who wanted to make an appointment and talk to me. Um, he's extremely motivated, early 20s, and uh, he, he mentioned he was going to bring on a partner. And I just called an audible right there and talked about that. I said, that could be one of the worst things you could do. Um, there's very few in my life, in my 33 years of business, 17 years of coaching, I've only seen a few partnerships work. Mm -hmm. Those were where, like you said, they were both, you were both needed, but this person did this and this person did this and they stayed out of each other's way. Mm -hmm. And they weren't all concerned about the holy dollar, about how much they made from that. They were working on building the company, but most other partnerships dissolve fast because they get in each other's way and they're both needing money. Yeah. So anyway, Todd, thanks for coming on today. Uh, My pleasure. To the McAfee show. It's been a pleasure having you. And uh, we're talking about the service excellence way and uh, basically just helping contractors get to the next level. So thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thank you. What an incredible show we had today, an interview with Todd Lyles. 
A big thanks goes out to Todd for being part of the Greg McAfee Show. And if you're watching on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe. You can always support this podcast by rating and reviewing on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Greg McAfee Show. No spaces, no underscores. Tune in next week. I'll keep challenging you to the best of my ability. As always, thanks for listening. Carry on. God bless. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow, so make it the best day of your life.